um, there's these crazy multiples on these SaaS products with these games though, a lot of them aren't monetized. So like, it's hard for the, whether this is like right or not, it's hard for the buyer to know how much their project is actually worth. And so I think you can like avoid those crazy multiples. Welcome back to the Indie Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Castrillo. Today, I'm talking to Zach Barrow, an indie founder I met at an Indie Worldwide meetup in New York City. He went from trying to build a travel booking website to selling API services directly to airports to buying gomoku.com from the founder of Kayak. Now he's building his gaming empire in public on Twitter. We had a really fun conversation figuring out how he went from point A to point B. Enjoy. This episode of Indie Worldwide was brought to you by Biggin by Zoho CRM. That's right, Indie Worldwide has landed ourselves a sponsorship. Big shout out to Biggin, the simple CRM that will let you start building customer relationships to last a lifetime. They've got an easy to use application that works great on mobile. All the features you need to manage those relationships and integrations with just about any application you might want. We have a link in the description you can click to get 50% off your first year using Biggin by Zoho CRM. Big shout out to Zoho for supporting Indie Worldwide. I just moved to, uh, to Brooklyn. I don't know if I told you that. Oh, cool. I think you told me it was you were going to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm in Dumbo. So I'm kind of close. I think you were in Williamsburg, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, there's a ferry between the two. Yeah. It's the East River yeah, yeah. Ferry. So, cool. I fucking love taking the ferry. It's so much fun to be on a boat <laughs> to commute Yeah, anywhere. it's like, what, like two bucks? It's like two bucks or something? Yeah, it costs the same as the subway, I'm pretty sure. It's like 275 or something. Yeah, I gotta got to get on the Hornblower app. You got to get the Hornblower app now that you live in Dumbo. <laughs> what is that? The Hornblower app? It's the uh, New York City yeah, Ferry app by Hornblower, LLC. And the, I'd, I'd like to know the history of this company just because the name is funny. And it, I feel like when a company has a funny name, it means there's like creative people behind it. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, a nice, like it's a nice app indie, too. Yeah. It's probably some like fellow indie hacker. Just like, you know, got a contract with the, uh, it does look pretty nice. Got a contract with the city to make some ferry app. <laughs> Yeah, I got to figure out who they are and get them on this podcast. Yeah, it seems like they build like fair, like ferry and like uh, kind of transit apps for, for cities, maybe. Kind of a cool niche. Yeah. Yeah, talk about niches. Jeez. Um, but we're here to talk about you, Zach. So we first met at an Indie yeah. Worldwide meetup a couple months ago in New York. Um, and you were telling me yeah, about so your, it, your software to sell like arrival time data to airports and then your, your gaming company. So we got, we got a lot to cover, I think. So I started Flyline out of school. Um, and basically it was originally, I was like, I want to build a travel app, you know, raise money, do the whole like hip monk thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, obviously quickly realized like, Hey, you don't need to raise money to have like a good business. And B, at the end of the day, like, it's actually probably a better setup if you don't raise money from venture, just because if you sell the business, you actually end up retaining more, you know, as, as if you would have just, you know, done your own thing. So, um, started as a travel app and then kind of pivoted and pivoted and continued to pivot to be, um, 
you know, we, we landed a, a large enterprise travel client and I thought that's what we were going to do. Contract ended up falling through. And so finally pivoted to like airports purely just because I was sitting around. I was like, this is like super boring. There has to be maybe one provider in the space. And so I just started calling airports and uh, smaller ones, you know, not like LaGuardia or JFK, but airports within like two to five million passengers a year. And uh, yeah, kind of stumbled, stumbled into that. And it's, it's been about a year at this point since I started like going out and doing sales. And, um, you know, then we work with some travel tech startups as well that use our data, but basically we just provide, you ever see, go to an airport and you see if your flight's delayed or on time, we provide that data to airports for their boards, uh, their schedule boards. So, yeah. Do you work with the, the boards that are like any click, like clacky boards like that? Yeah. So, but most of them now are like are basically it's kind of funny most of them now are like a like an apple tv or a mac mm-hmm. mini that's like oh, okay. plugged into it and connected to a connection some of them they the boards themselves are like an application um so it depends on the airport it's really interesting business because like most of these airports have no idea what they're doing mm-hmm. um so we're also like the, the tech support um but yeah, it, it's like i said like it's an interesting space not a lot of people operate in it is it going to be some massive business? Probably not. But is it a great um, cash flowing business where it's basically just me and kind of a couple of engineers just on my team helping from time to time? Yeah, like it, it, it's a it's a really good prototypical like indie hacker business. I think this is a lot like the fairies. It's like how do you even get into this kind of business without pivoting several times to get there? You know, it's this isn't something someone sets out to do. It's something they find themselves doing yeah what 100 agree like I, you have I, I mean i probably pivoted like i mean there were like year, years of just like making no money on it i mean like you have to like pivot like you mm-hmm. know several several times um and yeah like probably the fairy guy is the exact same i would love to meet this fairy this like guy that builds these fairy apps <laughs> he's probably very similar yeah so you're you're selling the airlines data where do you get your data very fortunate like that kind of big contract we got from a major travel company um well ended up falling through but what we got um it fell through and it kind of sucked but this big company was able to make very warm intros to airlines for us Mm. um and so even though that contract fell through unfortunately i kind of already had the relationships with the airlines so i was able to you know maintain that and say hey we're doing this could we get you know, the flight data for American, you know, could, could we get that? Um, now, not all airlines have APIs, actually very few of them do. Um, so either A, we're just we're scraping from other aggregator sites, we're scraping from airline sites, we aggregate like 10 sources. Um, mm-hmm. And then we just kind of put it in one spot and deliver like an average uh, of all the times together. But yeah, it's, it's basically just an aggregator. Nice. So you're dealing with like Scranton, Pennsylvania, or like Glens Falls, New York, like these kind of smaller yeah, so sub hubs. A good, a good, yeah. So a good example would be like Lehigh Valley, which is in Pennsylvania. Um, they were one of our first airports on actually, and uh, yeah. So like they're a good example. Two to eight million passengers a year is like eight's kind of a stretch too. That, that that's a little higher, but. Yeah, never going to like go after a JFK or LaGuardia. I mean, maybe, but probably not, not in the near future. Uh, do you know, like, is there vendors serving JFK or does JFK have like engineers on staff? 
Yeah, so there's there's one company, there's a few, but there's one company that's like a shark, and they uh, they're called OAG. They're based in China, um, and they're like a multinational, multi billion dollar company, um, and they like do all the big dogs. And from their perspective, to go work with like a um, Lehigh Valley or a Scranton, it, it doesn't make a lot of money for them. Um, yeah. It's kind of an annoyance, and so that's why like I really like to operate in that little that zone of like two to two to eight million passengers a year so it doesn't quite make they're big enough to afford something but not enough of something to make sense for the sharks to go after because they're still fighting over the big airports yeah and we're 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 a decent amount cheaper um and some of these airports that we work with specifically high valley they have a technical guy on staff and he's like a he's a beast like he's really Mm -hmm. good he did the integration and so he loves it because like they work with oag and he's like, yeah, this API is so much better. It's a lot easier to work with. The problem is, is like, he's probably the only person at any airport we would ever deal with that would care about like how good the API is. Right. Um, so it's not like a feature we can like flex on. Like, you know, no one really cares like how good the API is. So, that, that, But, you know, OAG's stuff is very old. So when, when you're cold calling these airports to sell to them, uh, who are you calling? Like, who do you want to pick yeah, up? Yeah, so it, it kind of like, it kind of... It's very tough. Uh, so I originally was just doing like LinkedIn reach outs. Um, and probably like the first 50, I'd, you know, send the, you know, Hey, this is what we're doing. Who would be the right person to talk to? They either just wouldn't, they'd read it and not respond, or they would like send me to someone else. Um, eventually got a few that would reach back out. And I kind of figured that the managing director is the guy you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. And, um, but honestly, like I maybe got two conversions on like out of like 60 LinkedIn reach outs. Um, so that is not great. So kind of as soon as we got those first couple contracts, then it, I like leveraged that into like, hey, I see you're surrounded by 10 of these airports that meet our criteria. You know, you're within 100 miles of these airports that meet our criteria. You know, could you make an intro? Could you do that? So that was beneficial um, so the cold reach out thing does not work for mm. these airports. Um, but I was fortunate to get like one or like oh, two, we got two conversions from that. Um, and then that was able to get the ball ro- rolling. And we also have an advisor that like owned an airline. And so he's like, um, he's been pretty helpful too. He was a really small airline, but he, he was able to kind of help with those intros as well. What kind of contract size are we talking about? Because... Yeah, sixty. So, maybe that's great if you're charging a hundred thousand dollars an airport. Maybe it sucks if it's a hundred dollars an airport. Yeah. So basically, um, I'll give you like a prototypical like airport. So um, one, let's you know, let's say they do they have around a million passengers a year. That means they're doing around three hundred fifty thousand API calls a month. So it works out to like they maybe have like six to ten flights a day. Mm-hmm. They want to start tracking the schedule two hours before that flight leaves and then they check that every minute or whatever and so it's like three hundred fifty thousand calls a month and so we charge a minimum up front of it's like five to seven hundred bucks is a minimum and then the and the minimum is usually attainable so like if they're doing three hundred fifty thousand calls a month we'll set a minimum at like two hundred and fifty thousand calls and then the overage at the end is usually 500 to 600 bucks or whatever so it you know for an airport that's at a million passengers a year, it's it's a little over a thousand bucks a month, is what it is. Nice. And about how many airports 
are you serving now? So right now, like six. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how you get to that, that 7K MR. There's, there's some that are a little over than 1,000. Gotcha. So you're doing collectively like 2 million API requests or 3 million API requests a month between all these airports. And then you're trying yeah. If you're so much cheaper than the next option for them, why not raise your prices? Yeah, so uh, the biggest reason is like we have a ridiculous amount of like AWS credits, and obviously mm-hmm. that's not a good a good reason. But yeah. like it's basically like make payable. This <laughs> yeah, well they they expire. I know. Um, so, but it's kind of like make hay while the sun shines a little bit. Like keep it low. Mm-hmm. The the problem we run into, and it's that's the reason why it's like it's not a perfect business model, is because like the problem we run into is like some of these airports will sign six year contracts with yeah. like OAG. And so it's like, look, you are cheaper. We love what you're doing, but like Seven, talk to us in years. four and a half years. <laughs> yeah. So it sucks. <laughs> um, so like you have to time it well, like, you know, you, you kind of have to like get lucky where like an airport's like, Hey, like our agreements up in two months, like, and I'll just be like, okay, we'll give you two months for free, sign the contract now. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, like, you know, so that that's, that's why it kind of sucks. And you have to like constantly engage, which is just part of the business. But like, yeah, if someone's contract is up in two years, you have to like, okay, well, like, you know, hopefully I get it in two years. You know, that, that, that kind of stinks a little bit. <laughs> Am I going to just like, you know, kick it into high gear, get after it, build it into like, a, you know, like I think it could definitely be a 20 to $30,000 a month business, which is really good. Um, or is it like, let it run. Obviously, like during the week, I'm 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 on calls with airports, but it's not mm-hmm. my it's not my full time thing. And so I'm kind of like, it's a great you know business cash flow. It. We have some other like travel tech companies that like we get to use our APIs outside of the the airport business. That is kind of fueled from like our customers, like the airport customers, mm-hmm. which is because they know we do this. So th- it's a good marketing tool, um, but it's kind of like you know, do I really want to like grind, spend like, you know, 60 hours a week, you know, trying to get airports on when it's just, it's, it's a tough, it's something that you can't really grind at, you know? Yeah. And with those long lead times, it just seems like it's kind of a, a wait, a waiting game. Yeah. So it gives you a lot of free time to start building games (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe this is a good pivot to talk about, um, maybe starting with Gomoku which is the one that I knew about. Um, how did, how yeah. did, what is Gomoku, first of all, and why do you own Gomoku.com? So, yeah, so Gomoku is a, like, it's this very old game where, which I never knew about this until, like, January, but it's this game where, like, you play on a Go board. If anyone doesn't know what Go is, it's this old kind of, I believe it started, started in Japan, um, but you play on this board, you kind of place marbles and it, it's basically what it is. But Gamoku uh, is like a very extreme version of tic-tac-toe on this board. It's the best way to describe it. Um, you got to get four in a row up, down, sideways. And um, so I was like, you know, I was like, I have a lot of time on my hand. This lead time with these airports is just kind of, kind of difficult. Um, you know, I want to, you know, increase my cash flow. And just practice. Like I looked at a lot of the stuff as just like really good practice for like building products. And so I was listening to like, I don't know if you've ever listened to these guys, like the, my first million podcast guys. Yeah. You know, like Sam. Yeah. (laughs) So they're, they're pretty like, 
actually they're pretty good to listen to. Like I usually don't like listening to like business podcasts uh, because it's not very actionable. Like these guys, I I think they are. So they're talking about like chess.com, sudoku.com. And I was like, okay, like this principle should work with like smaller games. And so I started researching and I found like gamoku.com was available and lo and behold, the guy that owned it was the kayak founder, which I think Mm. I told you this. And Mm. so, um, yeah, Paul English is his name. And so super like kind of like a maverick, I guess in travel. Um, and so I emailed and was like, Hey, this is like at like, this is at like five in the morning. I just got back from like going out. So like I, I was like, I was a little, you know, little, little, uh, little tipsy, you know? And so I emailed, I was like, Hey, I was in travel. Like you're a beast. Like I've, yeah, I've looked up to you. I've always wanted to talk to you. Um, by the way, like this is what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to build a game portfolio. Um, I want to start with Gamoku. You know, how much would you, would you sell this to me? And, uh, he emailed me back and was like, yeah, like you can have it for a thousand bucks. And so he gave me his Venmo and I Venmoed him like 10 minutes later. He transferred it over to me and mind you, like, I wouldn't do this cause this would be like a, a dick thing to do. But, um, there's Gamoku apps on the app store that have like a million plus downloads that don't have the com. So you could definitely flip it. I would not do this. Like it'd be a terrible thing to do, but like he gave me a, a really good deal. Uh, which is super nice to him. I, I bet, I bet he could charge a lot more for that, for that domain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first one. So it kicked off a very easy, uh, simple version one, just to get something out there. And then we'll be launching like online gameplay tournaments, leaderboards, um, in the coming, coming kind of, uh, actually next week, uh, with the pente.org update as well. Um, so I want to, f- find out what pente is as well i haven't heard of that one but first let's yeah. dig into gomoku a little bit did you ha- how much traffic is gomoku getting and did you know that before you bought it yeah so the the site is just like what he has uh, so that like first acquisition was just the domain uh, not, mm. not no he had nothing built for the actual site it was just parked so um that this gomoku search on google gets like 20 something thousand searches a month or whatever. So it's not huge. Um, but, uh, the basic site we have up right now does like, like a few thousand, like, you know, hit like page views uh, a month, which haven't been promoting it, Mm -hmm. um, until this updates up. But yeah, so I mean, like, you know, it, it doesn't do that. Well, the nice thing is, is one of the people on our development team, um, his girlfriend, best friend is, uh, she's, from Russia and she's like the world champion in Gamoku. Um, and so for, how did that happen? Ridiculous. <laughs> just a I have no idea. Cause I was, I literally put in our team Slack chat, like, Hey guys, uh, just, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be building a game portfolio. We're starting with Gamoku. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, he's like, well, yeah, you know, this really good friend of mine, Kira, uh, she is like the, the world champion. So she's, you know, kind of, I'm trying to build this community of people that plays games, like starting a discord group and do all that and kind mm-hmm. of organize it. Cause it's, they play on all these weird sites, like in Estonia, it's not like centralized and like organized. Um, so yeah. So like that kind of also like made it like, okay, well there is like a, there's a user base that we could access from this. It's not just like, you know, building a game and hoping people will come. Yeah. So, wow, that's a wild but yeah, so basically, you just stumble into the world champion Gomoku player just after you bought Gomoku.com. And 
yeah, it just, just happened to get like the domain from Paul. Yeah. It's, so it's yeah. been kind of like a ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous situation. Uh, surprises me all the time. <laughs> and then what is Pente? Is that another game? Yeah. So basically what happened was, it was kind of unfortunate. So like from March to April, we were building out this really big update for uh, Gamoku. And um, we got to the last part. We got everything done. We got to the last part, which was game mechanics. And, um, you know, basically the game mechanics are somewhat difficult from our side. Um, And we had one of our developers that was going to be on it. He ended up having to take sick leave. And so I was going to have to jump in and and do it. And like, you know, I could do it, but it was just going to be a lot. And so I was like, you know, there's got to be there's all these different variants. They're called GoBang games. They're based, they're played on the Go board. And it's, there's like Gamoku, Renju, Pente. Um, and so there's all these different variants. It's like, there's got to be a variant that already has online gameplay, already has tournaments, already has the game server set up, everything like that, to where it can kind of cut two or three months of my development time. And I can just do an acquisition, also get some emails and users mm-hmm. and have an existing site. And so I stumbled upon Pente, emailed the owner. I said, hey, what would you look to get for this? And he was like, yeah, I'll I'll sell it to you for 12. And I posted the stats on Twitter, but it's basically the site has 50,000 registered users. It's been around for a while. So like there's probably 5,000 actual active people that like constantly, you know, over a month on a monthly basis play games. Mm-hmm. At any given time, there's like a thousand plus active games. So I said, I'll give you, you know, eight. We went back and forth and he said, if you make it 8,000 in euros, I'll take it. So it ended up being 8,500 USD. Um, so that was that acquisition. And I mainly did it to cut the dev time on like mm-hmm. Gamoku because they're basically going to take this, Pente, reskin it, strip it down to the Gamoku game mode, and then push that out. So we'll have the two sites uh, for one. Um, so that, that's the main reason why I ended up buying it is just to get Gamoku out fast and then Pente as well. That seems like a solid deal. Um, like, yeah, I got, yeah, it, I was probably the only person you would ever sell it to. Um, mm. cause like, I don't know if you've seen the site, but he hasn't done a lot of updates. Um, mm. but it's, it's really interesting to like, like I was looking at this as like build your community versus buying your community a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when the site transferred, there's a form on there. And I was, I was kind of interesting to see like how interactive this form is. And he's like, Hey, would you mind if I posted it in the forms um, that I sold the site? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And so the engagement on the forms was, was pretty crazy. Um, it was actually more engagement than I thought would be. Um, but it's kind of been fun to engage with that community, like, and have a community to start with rather than have to like, build up engagement and build people up like, you know, as time goes on, it's kind of like, cause I'm doing that on Twitter and then you go to Pente and the, like Pente.org and it's like, I already have that, have that group. It's like interesting to see that kind of vice versa. I like how you're forming this kind of like gaming empire. It feels like you could acquire all these different, um, Gomoku variants.com.orgs and kind of create a super site around them. Yeah. That's kind of what I want to do. Um, you know, and I've kind of like, you know, in terms of monetization, obviously the ads, a lot of these sites don't have a premium version, um, but like either they, they have one, but it's like 
donate and support us. It's not like a super user style premium version. Um, So that's the next step. And then, yeah, just kind of building up these games. Um, It's very different than like SaaS on MicroAcquire because like there's crazy multiples, um, whether they're like warranted or not, that's kind of like its own thing. But um, there's these crazy multiples on these SaaS products with these games though, a lot of them aren't monetized. So like it's hard for the, whether this is like right or not, it's hard for the buyer to know how much their project is actually worth. And so I think you can like avoid those crazy multiples yeah. by going to sites that aren't monetized yet. You know, that's kind of what I've seen. Yeah. It's, it's really no way to value it definitively. If it's not made any money, it hasn't proved that yeah. the user base will actually buy anything yet. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like that's kind of, um, I think that that's like a, it's a, obviously like remains to be seen, like, you know, the, the actual, yeah. like, like to prove this, this theory out, like I could be 100% wrong. Um, but I think it'll work in some form, you know, is it going to be some crazy monthly reoccurring revenue business? I don't know. Is it going to be some, you know, if it's a business that does just does $2,000 a month, uh, from each site or a thousand bucks a month from each site, you know, that, that's a good business. Like, you know, it, I haven't put in a lot of cash into it. I've learned a lot, you know, so like whatever end of the spectrum it is, it, you know, it's a success either way, I think. And so you mentioned a team, it's the same team you're using for the airline software and also the, the new gaming sites. Is it all under one umbrella? Yeah. So like when I, when I first started building Flyline, I started kind of building up guys that like um, originally just kind of got off, off work that um, I'd started using to kind of just help support me. Like I'm technical, mm-hmm. but like, I really wanted to start like removing myself from the technical side of things. Um, and so I've had this team on for the last like two years. It's about 10 to 12 guys. It kind of fluctuates. Um, not all of them are full time, um, but you know, a decent amount of them are. And uh, so they were on Flyline, and the technical work wasn't that much. It's more, it was more sales. Cause once we had the API built out, the docs. Um, so I was, you know, we started getting some consulting jobs, uh, tech consulting. And so I started putting them on it. And then I was like, oh, like, why don't I just build some SaaS stuff? You know, I I stumbled across Indie Hackers last year, actually. And Mm -hmm. so I just kind of started planning out a few, put them on those. They didn't really have big MRR, but kind of sold the code, I guess, on sideprojectors.com. And then... um, basically, you know, continue just to use them on all the tech consulting, flyline stuff and uh, um, the games. So it's, it's all internal. And we I don't do any like the contracting stuff on Upwork. I just stick with them. I pad them. I trust them. Um, yeah. And kind of a, it's, a, it's a nice little team. So is like flyline and these new projects kind of subsidized by by contracting at this point? Are you guys actively contracting? Yes. So I, I do a lot of like the, the kind of tech consulting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I was talking about this with, with fed, like I don't love it. Like, you know, obviously I want the entire amount of my revenue to be from yeah. gaming sites and flyline. Um, that's, that's obviously like the goal. Um, but like, I also kind of like it because it allows me to kind of do what I want to do kind of like, kind of live the indie hacker lifestyle and it doesn't take that much take, take that many hours. This is a pretty common indie hacker model is the freelancer slash indie hacker. Like Folio yeah. Fed does it, who we talked to a couple weeks ago. 
you're doing it. Um, it's basically my model as well as I consult and that subsidizes everything else I want to try out. I feel like you've taken it an extra step forward where you've gone ahead and built a small agency where you've hired some people are now serving more as like a project manager, product lead versus individual contributor, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I do like it. Um, it's been good. And like, it, it's been nice because like I have a team. So like, it doesn't like, so if I have someone on the team that like, does, you know, we're not going to put them on the games. Like, they're, they, you know, they're just, we already have two, we already have three guys devoted to that. And like, I don't have a SAS that I want to work on it keeps them on the team and keeps them occupied until I need them for something else. Like, you know, let's say we're not working on a mobile app for these games yet, but we will eventually, I don't want them to go leave and not be available, but I still want to, they have to have work. Right. So like I can put them on, let's say we get a mobile app, you know, contract, you know, okay, we'll do that. And so I, yeah, I only do it off referrals, um, which I've been very fortunate to have. Like, you know, I don't, go through the Upwork stuff or do that. It's just purely kind of the referral thing. And uh, that, that's been very fortunate that, that that's worked out well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really a limit to how big a business can grow in that way, right? Like Stack Exchange, Glitch.com, like started as Fall Creek Software, which started as a consulting company in New York, right? It's like these... Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that's like um, Joel and um, I forget his business partner's name, but they were a consulting company first. And then they spun out like um, uh, Fogbugs or whatever, I think was their first business. And then they spun out Trello, and then they spun out um, Stock Exchange, and then Glitch, um, and these all. But they were, it was the same exact model as what you're talking about, just at a slightly larger scale. It's like maybe a couple hundred people. Yeah, so like I I think like, I, I really do think it's a good path because like, a, you can fig- you can find problems like anytime we build mm. like stuff for for contracts or whatever there's stuff where i'm like okay like this is this industry is like terrible like there's definitely a better way to do it and then you over the course of the contract you learn about the industry and you learn like okay like i would build this to do to do that so i mean like that it makes sense why like the the stack exchange guys uh or stack overflow guys uh, do that just because like they're like it's easy to find problem. problems. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it's also like the idea just, matters and also it doesn't matter. You know, it's like build yeah. anything and you'll have more ideas than you can shake a stick at. Um, yeah. Like just I mean, get started. Building these, building these game sites, like it's been, there's been problems that I've encountered that I'm like, oh, like someone needs to solve this. Like, you know, there's like, you know, this is like super terrible way to do things. Like, you yeah. Know? So yeah, it's build just something. The art and you'll the find science, a right? It's like <laughs> there's more problems than you could ever work on. First, you got to f- get yourself in a situation where you're exposed to good problems, and then figure out a way to evaluate those problems and figure out how valuable they actually are to solve. Because there's an infinite number of things you could spend time on to make oh, yeah. people's lives easier. Yeah. But unless those ten people are like Jeff Bezos and his friends, that's not really a great business idea. So going forward, do you think most of your time is going into flight schedules or into gaming? So, I yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, on a week-to-week basis, um, you know, I have a few contract, like, contracting consulting calls. Um, I've got a few airport calls. But a lot of my time is, is spent, um, you know, trying to build up this kind of game portfolio. Uh, and I call it, like, Axe Studios. But basically, I'm either just 
managing, you know, us pushing out these updates for Gamoku and Pente just to get those out the door, mm-hmm. um, planning the next games, and then just vetting deals. Um, I want to, you know, probably over the next two months, I'm going to look to buy another two more sites. Um, you know, that's what I want. That kind of the goal is to kind of acquire two more um, and just kind of continue to like buy more and just kind of group these group these things up. Nice. And then I suppose you'll have a, a website that's just like gogames.com or something and like list all of them and then so well i kind of want to keep them separate i kind of want to keep them separate and monetize them all and then cross promote each other because like i've noticed like yeah like i don't think i want to group it all like pente.org and gamoku.com are going to be separate um and we're, we're gonna i'm gonna release like a go game site as well and so um i want to keep them separate and then cross promote and then take all those users, put them in a newsletter, try to monetize that, and like write about you know upcoming tournaments for each of these sites. So I, I kind of want to like separate sites, but build a community with like them all together a little bit. Yeah, and then I guess you can use like the basic board tech. I feel like a lot of stuff you can use for all your games, right? Like I'm comparing Pente to Gomoku, and Gomoku.com's board is so much like cleaner and more modern looking than Pente. But I don't know, maybe that ruffles, yeah, so, ruffles feathers if you change things up on a user base that's been around for 20 years and suddenly the button's in a different place. So there's a, there's a big update for Pente that I'm pushing that is just like UI update. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's no, I've not like changed any of the elements or anything, mm-hmm. but it just modernized the site, made it look a lot nicer. Um, so that'll be releasing next week, but... It's mainly for like Gamoku. So we're going to duplicate that code base, rebrand it to Gamoku, and then deploy that to Gamoku.com. And then for Pente, we'll give them the option if they want, they can use the new site UI or they can just keep the old one if someone wants to. All right. So I'd love to come back in like 12 months and see how much these things have grown and all the different sites you've acquired. So so I'm doing like the, the Twitter thing and I'll be writing out like every week these are like the stats that they have on mobile, what the revenue is. And then, you know, I want to basically track like, okay, this is how it's grown. It could be cool to do like the, the levels IO style, like real time updating board. If you go to any of his sites, like if you go to nomad list is his big site, that's like a travel website. Um, Oh yeah. I have heard of him. He's kind of big in the, um, uh, uh, indie space right as like the ultimate nomad hacker guy but if you go to like forward slash open i think somewhere you can see okay. yeah nomadlist.com forward slash open you can see his revenue um and then basically just his whole back and back of the house like accounting uh, is public um on a daily yeah. basis and yeah so i want to do that i, I mean like cool. i want to be yeah because like I see a lot of people you're you're a little different because like you you have like the indie hacker community but which is I feel like is your like it's your difference right it's like you know kind of sets you you know you kind of apart with what you're building but I, I do see a lot of people like building the SaaS in public which is which is awesome but I I was thinking like okay if I'm going to get on Twitter I want to do something a little different yeah and I think like building a game portfolio kind of like what you how you're building your indie community in, in kind of in public um, is different. So I want to 
do that with the game portfolio, but then be like ultra transparent and be like, look, like these are the updates we're pushing. And like, this is the, like the return. Yeah. I think that would be a really good Twitter content. It's, I definitely want to follow that. Like, see you build up this like indie gaming empire. Um, it's just going to be fun. It feels like a good TV show almost, you know, any advice you'd give to the aspiring indie hacker? Yeah, I would definitely say like, and I think the whole community is kind of like changing, but like you, the end all, I used to think this, like the end all be all is not to raise money from venture. Mm. Like most people say like, you know, very few or, you know, not a lot of businesses are made for venture. I'd say even less are, are made for it just because, you know, there's nothing wrong with a great cash flowing business where I think everyone like saw the show Silicon Valley and like wants to like have the big office and all the engineers and like, it's actually like a lot less headache. You could probably make a lot more money. And you can probably have a lot more freedom by having a really good, you know, you, a couple people, you know, if, if you need that and just cap, you know, very good cash flowing, you know, sustainable traditional business, I think is like great. Like, you know, I, I tried to chase the, the venture side and uh, it's kind of a, I mean, some people it's great. Like if you want to scale a lot, like I definitely see the value, but there's also just, I think there's like a lot of benefits to just having a very good sustainable business. And um, so, yeah. And also it's like low stress. So <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely would say that, but, and yeah, yeah, just find your niche too. I mean, like find where you can kind of own a niche and try to exploit it. So you, so to recap, you set out for being Huff, uh, hip monk, right? Like travelocity, some yeah. kind of like trip booking pivoted your way towards selling, um, data to airlines just cold calling airport managers and getting warm intros and selling them apis and then yep. using leveraging that travel connection you were able to buy gomoku.com from the founder of kayak and now yep. you're acquiring all these other go websites to build a gaming empire that's not the kind of like career path someone plans out you know it's just like go do interesting things and interesting things will happen um find a way to stay afloat in the meantime, make money, take on freelancing contracts, level up yeah. your skills. Uh, it's all about, you know, like, yeah, I was just try to get practice and uh, try to build cool stuff. Like that's kind yeah. of, eventually, eventually it'll pay off. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll wrap things up here and would definitely love to talk to you again in like 12 months and see if you haven't built a gaming empire. Gaming empire. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, this was awesome.